Lord, for being great. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the strength to sing your praises. Thank you for giving us the faith that is in us. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you, God. As we move now, Lord, into this time of of listening to your word, we pray that it's you that are speaking to our hearts. We pray that you would open our hearts to hear your voice, to see you here today. We pray this all in your name. Amen. You may be seated. The passage that that we're going over here today is a continuation in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. That's Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 23. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the Lord... That, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in, in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ." When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Uh, I was watching the news one morning a while ago, and, and I forget what news station, but when I was watching it, uh, one of the hosts was introducing a segment, and, and she was saying that, uh, while well, that phrase that we've been hearing since March, we're all in this together. And, and she was saying that as she was introducing the next segment, and she said, and next we have Chris Hemsworth here to remind us that we're all in this together. And the segment opened up with Chris Hemsworth, the actor, feeding a baby koala with a bottle at a koala sanctuary somewhere in Australia. And I thought, we are not all in this together. <laughs> Some people are in a different place together and other people are in other places together, but we are not all in this together. Now, don't get me wrong, the news station I was watching, I didn't have a problem with the anchor. I didn't have a problem with Chris Hemsworth. I love his movies. He's a great actor. But, you know, seeing him feeding a koala, I thought that is far different than my life here in Eau Claire. And that's okay, that's okay, but we've been hearing this phrase over and over, we're all in this together, and it got me to thinking about us as a Christian church. What does that phrase mean to us in our Christian faith, in our Christian faith that we are in the Christian faith, all of us here together? Well, Paul talks about the Christian community and the relationships that we have as believers here in verses 15 through 23. And he opens up, uh, well, first of all, he's writing this letter not just to one person, he's writing this letter to the whole Christian community in Ephesus. So it's important to note that, 
that the New Testament is filled with letters that are not written to one single individual, but they're oftentimes, in fact, I think there's only two of them, 2nd and 3rd John, that are only written to one person. Every other is written to a group of Christians. It's meant for the whole community to hear these letters. And so Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and one of the things that, that he opens up this passage with is that he's thankful to God for them. And so he talks about the relationship that the Christian community has with one another, and then he also talks about the relationship that he has with them as their apostle. So Paul is their apostle, which means he's planted that church, he oversees that church, he takes care of it, and so he sees what kind of Christian relationships they have among one another. And one of the things he says to them is, I pray for you guys all the time, and in my prayers, I don't stop giving thanks for you. So Paul is recognizing with them that that he is in a relationship with them. He's not just their boss that comes every so often to make sure they're doing the right things, but when he sees them, he's filled with joy. He prays for them constantly, and when he prays for them, he thanks God for them, which demonstrates his humility. I mean, he's their apostle. He has to come in and he has to make hard decisions for the church and he sometimes has to correct their behavior. But he says to them, I am thankful for what you provide me in my Christian life. And then he lays out why he's thankful for this Christian community. And one of the things he says is, it's because of the faith among you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that statement alone is its own sermon. The faith Okay, so what is faith? Faith is trust. Faith is, is having trust in someone or something. So to give an example, when you walked into this building, how many of you were afraid that the building would collapse on you? Okay, nobody. That's great. That means you have faith in whoever built this building that they were competent enough to build it that it wouldn't crush you someday. How many of you, when you sat down on the pew, thought that this is it, this is going to be the the day that the pew breaks on me, you didn't even think about it. You just sat down because you trusted that that pew could hold you. Now, our faith in Jesus is much stronger than that, but that's what faith is. It's a trust. You just know that it's there. You are certain that there's a good thing there. Now, we don't have faith in a structure We don't have faith in an institution. We have faith in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul recognizes that this church has trust, not in the church structure. And notice he doesn't say, uh, you know, I thank you because you have faith in me. No, he points away from himself and he says, you have faith in Jesus. So you have faith in a person, but then notice the words that Paul chooses. He doesn't just say, you as an individual. He says, the faith that is among you, meaning the whole church in Ephesus. Not just one single person is carrying that church through, but all of the people that are there, Paul has recognized, have faith in Jesus, and they share it with one another. So that it's not just one or two of them, but it's all of them that are walking in the ways of Jesus and having faith 
in Jesus Christ. So Paul says he's thankful for that, and then he also points out that there is a love that they have for one another and all of the saints. So when Paul points this out, again, notice the wording. He doesn't just say, you know, I heard about the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Oh, and I also heard that some of you love some other people. That would be pretty weak, wouldn't it? What, what if I picked out in this crowd and started to call out, oh, I can tell that you love you and you love you, but, you know, you and you, you don't really love each other. That, that would be weak, right? That, that's a weak church when, when we withhold some of that love. But what he's noticing in the church in Ephesus is that there is a genuine love that the Christians have for one another. But then he also says, for all of the saints, there is a love that they have outside of their local church community that extends to all of the believers in all of the churches, So that the faith that they're carrying is not just within their local community, but it's a shared faith that's with all of the other believers. And so there's a dynamic relationship that Paul is pointing out here in this passage that we have a relationship with one another, with God. We have an individual relationship with God that is very important. We have a personal relationship with God. That too is very important. But we also have a shared relationship with one another, with God. And Paul is recognizing that. And he sees that it's working even in his own life. And so he gives thanks to God for that relationship. Well, then Paul moves on in the next few verses. And he talks about the relationship then that the local community not just has with one another, but what the local community has with God and how that can grow. And so there's two things that he prays for, or three actually. The first thing he prays for is is a prayer of thankfulness to God. And then he prays that, that the church in Ephesus would grow in their knowledge of God and that their hearts would be enlightened toward God. So let's tackle that first one really quick. A knowledge of God. Now, we're not talking about intellectual knowledge. We're not talking about facts and numbers. We're talking about personal knowledge. So to give you an example, you guys may know who I am based on on the church website. So there's a a biography page that that gives a quick history about me and my family, and and, uh, it gives a list of where I've been educated and where I used to live. Some of you could have read that before you came into church. And some of you, maybe, maybe you feel like you haven't really met me, but you've heard people say good things. Well, I hope good things about me. But you've heard people say things about me. That is an intellectual knowledge. That is, that is a factual knowledge. You, you know that I'm a, a Detroit Lions fan. Uh, I said good things about me. But you know things about me. You know that I'm from Michigan. You know that I have three kids. But have you met me? Have you talked with me? Have you gotten to know me personally as a friend gets to know another friend? Paul says that's the kind of knowledge that he wants us to have with God. Not just, oh, well, I heard this in, in, in my uh, uh, connect group one day, or I heard this in a sermon where I was listening to the radio and the preacher said this. 
Those are factual, those are facts that we can carry with us, but Paul says he wants something more than that for our hearts. He wants us to personally know who the Lord is, more than just read about him, but actually know him in our hearts, actually know him as if though he's a friend. He's praying for a relationship that we would have with the Lord. And he says there's two things that he's going to pray for for this to happen in our lives. One is a spirit of wisdom, and the other is a spirit of revelation. Very quickly, what that means is, Paul prays that we would have wisdom to know what decisions to make in life. That, that's very simply what wisdom is, is. It's to know the decisions that God would make for our life and then to make those decisions. So Paul says in our Christian life, we need wisdom to navigate. We need wisdom to know, is this of God or is this of something else like the world or the enemy? And Paul says he prays that we would have the wisdom to know what is of God and what isn't of God so that we choose the things that are of God so that we can get to know him more. And then he says he prays for a spirit of revelation so that God would reveal himself to us. So that word revelation, all that means is to reveal, to show and so what Paul is praying is not only would we make wise decisions, right decisions in our life that are of God, but that God would actually come down to meet with us. That our hearts and our spirit would be ready to see him. So Paul is praying not only that he's thankful for us as a Christian community, but then he prays that we would have a spirit of wisdom to make right choices and that we would have a spirit of revelation so that we could see God when he's coming and accept him. The other thing that Paul prays for in this section in our relationship with God is that our hearts would be enlightened. That simply means that our hearts would be open, that we would be ready to receive whatever it is that God gives us. And when he prays this, he lays out a few specifics. One is that we would have a hope of his calling. Now, that was already covered earlier in chapter 1. I, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, where Paul talks about the hope of the calling that's in Christ Jesus. And then he says, I pray that you would also have an enlightened heart so that you would know what is the glory of the, of the inheritance that waits for you. Pastor Mark preached on that last week. That's in verse 14. It's the inheritance that's waiting in heaven that's been guaranteed to us by the Holy Spirit. So Paul's already laid out those specifics. Well, then he says, I also pray that you would understand the greatness of God's power in your life. Now let's pause really quick. This whole section is about relationships. And so far, we've talked about that important relationship that's in our Christian community with one another. And then we've talked about our relationship with God and getting closer to God. Watch what Paul does here. Watch what he does. He says he wants us to get to know the greatness of God's power. And what does he immediately mention to, demon, to, uh, to illustrate God's power? God the Father's relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. So when Paul says, I want you to have an enlightened heart to understand the greatness of God's power, what he's saying is, I want you to be in such a close relationship with God 
that you would feel you are in the middle of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And he begins to lay out, and, and by, this is just a few, because Paul does this in other passages, in, in other scriptures. He lays out all of the ways that God has demonstrated his power in his son Jesus Christ. And he lays out a few for us here in Ephesians. One of them is that he raised Christ from the dead. So Christ died for our sins, and God didn't just let Christ stay dead, but he raised him from the dead. So now, now, We have the power over death. And Paul says this is a demonstration of God's power. Not even death could hold on to him. This has been demonstrated in the raising of Jesus from the dead. And then he says he's also given Jesus authority. So God the Father has shared his authority with God the Son. And he says he has all authority over all the earth. So much so that it's under his feet. Now, there's two illustrations that that I could come up with for what this means to be under someone's feet. Um, One of them is uh, something that takes place in our household from time to time. Uh, We're sitting on the couch, and, and we're watching TV, and all of a sudden, these feet are propped up on my legs. And they're my wife's feet. They're They're propped up on my legs, and all of a sudden they wiggle just a little bit. And that means that I now have to massage my wife's feet. Sometimes she has to ask. I act as if, though, oh, those aren't there. No, no. She just likes me and she wants to, you know, be near me. That's one demonstration of it. The only people that would touch feet are servants. And so what Paul is pointing out when he says that Jesus is above all, that he stands above all, that they're below his feet, that's one of the points that he's making is that, is that everyone is here, is called to serve the Lord. Everyone is called to be in that relationship with him where they serve him. Okay, so that's one illustration. The other illustration I would say is at the opposite end of all of this. And, and there's a famous photo back in the 1960s, and, and it's when Muhammad Ali wins his first championship title, and the photo has him standing over Sonny Liston. He knocks him out, I think it's in the second round, and there's a photo of him standing over, because nobody thought he could knock out Sonny Liston. And he's standing over him, and he's declaring that he is now the champion. And that's sort of the image we get when Paul says that Jesus has all of this authority. He stands over everything in this world. And then Paul begins to name everything that's in this world. And he says dominions, powers, authorities, names. If people pray in somebody else's name, Jesus has full authority over that. He's already delivered the knockout punch. He's already been raised from the dead. And so when Paul says that he wants our hearts to be enlightened and to know the surpassing greatness of God's power, he's saying he wants us to see the relationship that is between God the Father and God the Son, that God the Father would share his power and his authority with his Son, Jesus Christ. So Paul's prayer is that we would see that our hearts would be ready to have that revealed to us. And there's a fourth relationship that Paul talks about here. It's in the the last one and a half verses. 
the last half of 22 and all of 23, he says, and he made Jesus Christ head of the church. You are his body. He fills all in all. And so now Paul is pointing out that we have an inherent relationship with Jesus Christ when we have faith among us as a Christian community. And Paul is pointing out in these last one and a half verses that the relationship that God the Father has with God the Son is now inherent in our Christian community because Jesus Christ is head of this church. We are his body, and he fills this place. So now when we talk about the faith that's among us, we now realize this faith is not our own. This faith is not something that we muster up by ourselves, and it's not something that we have to try to find on our own, but it's actually something that's been given by God, through God, to us, not just alone, but with one another. So that if some of you are in a place where you feel as if though you're lacking faith, rest assured, there's someone next to you that has the faith you may be lacking. And you may be in a position where you are struggling to love a fellow Christian or all of the saints. There is someone else here that is loving you all the more. And this is not just on our own. This is in a relationship with Jesus, who is head of this church, who fills all in all. So the relationship that we carry here is actually Jesus. It's actually a faith that has been given by Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's been given to us that we carry with one another, that we're thankful for, that drives us to love one another, that... It, 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 it's, it's given by God in such a way that our hearts are opened, that God reveals it to us and we can see him. This is the prayer that Paul has. So that question that, I don't know about you, but I've been annoyed with since March, or not the question, excuse me, that statement, we're all in this together, that statement is true here in this church among us. We are all in this together. We are all in this with one another, and not just by ourselves, but we're in this together in that Jesus Christ has been driving, he's been the driving force in all of this. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you have given us, and we thank you for uh, the life that you have. We thank you for calling us to share in this relationship with you. We thank you, God, for demonstrating your power in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would know who you are, that our eyes would be open, that you would reveal yourself to us. Be with us, Lord, as we continue in this faith. Be with us, Lord, and give us that strength. Amen.